Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. You know those like weird like year glasses that they have where it tells you the year? We're like 2024 20, this year or whatever. Those are kind of weird. They're like useless after one day. Uh, it's like us and ancient Babylon. We can share those glasses, I guess, because uh, the year repeats then, no longer. Um, I wish they served some sort of... Per- you, can, you can almost take those glasses, you can put them like as a necklace or a hat, but for some reason we have glasses. I don't know. Uh, not prescription. <laughs> well, Happy New Year, Mosaic. Uh, before I begin, I want to kind of just gauge the audience here. Uh, and this is, I'm presuming this is obvious to everybody, but how many of us made New Year's resolutions this year? Right? Probably all of us. Probably all of us. Uh, and here's my next question. Here's my next question. How many of you guys have already given up on that New Year's resolution, or at least one of them? I know I'm overly ambitious, so I plan like, oh man, this year I'm going to learn like Thai or something, <laughs> or some crazy, like, I'm going to go to Paris this year, uh, and then it's like, eh, next year, like five weeks in. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we make these things, we make these New Year's resolutions, and we make these like kind of goals, which nothing wrong with goals, obviously, nothing wrong with resolution, just trying something, right? New year, new me, amazing, awesome. Have you ever thought why? Have you ever thought why? It, it might be obvious to you, I guess, but have you ever, have you ever thought why you want to change into something different or, or you want to at least change an aspect of your life? You know, we make these things every year and yeah, you're like, I need to lose weight, so I'm going to go on a diet. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, or I want to do this thing. But some of the things we, we just want to do because we might think, I'm not there, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be yet, and I see a way I can be, or I like the way this person does this thing, so I'm going to try that out. It's just interesting why we want to do that. What's, what's wrong with you right now that you feel like you need to change? I don't know if anybody asked that question. I mean, maybe I'm just weird. I, <laughs> like, why are we doing this? But it's, it's interesting, right? It's, it's interesting. And every year, every year we do this. Uh, today, I'm going to go through this. I'm going I'm to talk about this idea that we have, that we, we feel like we're not there yet. Uh, and Jesus actually talks about this exact thing, and so does uh, Paul in the epistles. So I'm going to pray, and then we can kind of go through our text. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a new year. Uh, thank you that, yeah, when, when New Year's come around, we desire fresh starts. We desire times where when we see deficiencies in our lives, we want to address those things. But Father, today I ask that we try and have a new perspective on the whole New Year's resolution thing. Father, I pray that you can give us new eyes to see and that your word can clarify to us what you would have us do. And I pray all this in your holy son's name. Amen. All right. So our passage today is in Mark 2, verses 18 through 22. So if you want to open there in your Bibles, we'll have it on screen for uh, when we go through those texts. But before I begin, I just want to say this. (laughs) 
this isn't going to be, at least for the first part, a very hopeful message, okay? Just for the first part. <laughs> it's going to be a little sad, uh, just for the first part, though. <laughs> but here, here, okay, I will make it super hopeful after, okay? I will make it super hopeful after. I'll make it up to you, and I'll make this deal, this one-time guarantee. If I don't, if you're not filled with hope after, uh, you can yell at me in the office. Uh, <laughs> just make a schedule. I will receive your, your angry complaints. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, look, hopeless, sorry, hopeful. Okay, but let's, let's go here first. Uh, Mark 2, 18 through 22. I'm going to read first, and then we'll go through the context, okay? Verse 18 goes like this. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Okay, kind of weird text so far, but let's go through it. Uh, it this is literally the context. Jesus and his disciples are out and about, and this group, the disciples of John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, as we kind of were seeing during uh, the Christmas season, he's also the herald of Jesus. He, he proclaimed to Israel that, that the Messiah was coming, so his disciples. And then you have the Pharisees, and the Pharisees have disciples too that they teach. Uh, both of those camps fast. The Pharisees, we actually learn in Luke that they fast twice a week. And the fair, Pharisees, I get to use this today, are not fair, you see. That's, that's the oldest joke. That's the oldest joke <laughs> they're not, not Pharisees. Well, you'll see that today, by the way. I, it's, not, it's not a horrible pejorative. They're not really fair. Uh, but they were, they were a religious group in Israel at the time, and they're often pitted against Jesus, like kind of as his nemesis. And we're going to see a little bit of kind of their belief. They were very religious. I think if you're a more conservative Christian and you love Jesus, if you travel back in time, you'd probably be in agreement with the Pharisees. There's a lot of different... Jew, uh, Jewish groups back in the day, they're probably the one that we would actually align with the most. So it's weird that they're the villain, but we'll talk about it. They come to Jesus and they say, why are you no fast? What's going on? What's, what's no, no fasting? Why, what are you doing? Right? And, and Jesus now has the opportunity to explain. Now, now here's the problem. There's, there's good and a bad. A good and a bad. The good is this. They're setting a trap for Jesus. Now you're like, that's not good. <laughs> Why would you say that's good? Because it's Jesus. He's not going to be trapped. Just so we're clear. Just, we, we, don't, we can lift that burden. Jesus is, they're going to try and trap him. They're going to you know, try and get him in the corner. And he's going to amazingly sh demonstrate that he's Jesus. Okay? So that's, that's the good, actually. It's good to see Jesus get trapped because then we, we see him in action as the Messiah, as the God-man Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the good. Here's the bad. The bad is this. Jesus is going to answer the Pharisees, which he typically kind of does, in what are called parables. Parables are kind of interesting, whimsical, you know, little stories and stuff like that. They're notoriously difficult to interpret. So when you're reading the Bible, sometimes he'll, he'll talk to the Pharisees or he'll talk to another, another audience. He'll give a parable and you're like, hmm, I, I think I get what he's saying. I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. That, that's normal. And what's interesting is Jesus often talks to the Pharisees that way to confuse them. So we're kind of doomed, right? <laughs> we're like, how am I supposed to understand what he's trying to say to them? 
But there, there's ways we can understand parables. I'm going to walk us through it. We can kind of understand what's going on. But just to let you know, it's, it's a little challenging, right, when you come across this. So um, here's the deal. In this passage, there's something interesting that happens. They, th- this particular text here about Jesus being spoken to by uh, John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples, this happens in three of the Gospels. And those three Gospels often talk about the same things. And what's interesting is this. Before each three of those Gospels, before this account in each one of those texts, they have the same beginning text that, that leads in. And that's not typical. Sometimes a Gospel writer will kind of formulate Jesus' life in like different ways. They'll talk about the same events, but they'll, they'll try and make a theme out of it in a different way. And then some will be more chronological or historical about how they say it right in time. And what's interesting is every single one of those that talk about this instance talks about the same story before. And the story that comes before is, you might have heard of this, it's, it's the famous sinner's dinner, right, where Jesus brings in all the sinners, right, and like the tax collectors, which I guess are the same thing. Uh, <laughs> he brings them in, and he's like sitting at this table, and the Pharisees are out like at the window like, mm-mm, mm-mm, that's not good. He, he calls himself a religious leader, and he's doing this. Not on my watch, not on my watch. And I think what's happening here is they see this happen and then they kind of go, hmm, how can we trap him tomorrow, right? So they they go the other way with the fasting. Hey, you feasted, let's hit him on fasting. Why don't you fast since you feast all the time, right? So there's a little bit of setting here, okay? Now, What Jesus answers these guys, these two groups, is in three parables. Three parables, back to back to back, no explanation, but I'll explain them. Back to back to back, okay? So what we have as far as these parables are concerned is a a wedding, okay? A piece of garment or clothing piece, and then a wineskin. Kind of familiar with these things, kind of not. There's, There's cultural context, we'll talk about them. We'll talk about the first one here. Now, the first is a wedding. I'm going to read the text, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, This is in verses 19 through 20. So Jesus answered this. He said, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. Okay, kind of cryptic. Uh, These are all will be. Uh, but the first point I want to make, again, not super hopeful, people cannot worship well. People cannot worship well. I'll explain. What he says to them is this. They, they come to him on fasting, uh, about fasting. The issue is this. In, if you take the entirety of the Old Testament, the first time fasting comes up is what's called the Day of Atonement. It's in the law from Moses, Right? The Day of Atonement is an interesting feast in which you're literally coming together to talk about your sins and to atone for your sins. You're, you're literally bringing animals to the temple because you are sinful, the nation is sinful, and you go, and it's the day you go, take my sin from me. So fasting on that day is, and what fasting is, is it's abstaining from something often in a religious context. We fast nowadays for like medical reasons and stuff like that. Back in the day, it was often religious. And a lot of people did it. It wasn't just Israel, but this is why they did it initially. 
So it was, it was I'm sinful, here's my sacrifice. Also, I'm, I'm denying myself something that can often be an idol. If you're, it, it makes sense. If I'm, if I'm atoning for my sin and I have the idolatry of food, it would make sense that I try and stop that and focus on God, right? Makes sense. Later, later, what they end up doing with that fasting, because of that meaning, they end up doing this thing where they, if, if somebody dies or if they're going through a mourning process, they'll put ashes on their head, they'll wear like potato sack, like uncomfortable clothing to kind of scar and whatever, and then they'll abstain from food. And all that is a mourning process, and they're kind of requesting God's help, okay? Kind of weird thing. But notice, both instances are kind of sad. And what Jesus says is this. They come to him and they're like, why, why are you not fasting? And he goes, hey, do you fast at a wedding? Do you fast? You might fast before. Don't get me wrong. You might go like, need a fit. But, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> this is an old suit. <laughs> you might fast before. But during the wedding, mm-mm, like hand me that, like two pieces of cake, please. And like all this stuff. And like, can I get both the chicken dinner and the beef? Thanks. Uh, you, you eat and in a desert culture, they don't have a lot of food. And it's, remember, it's like survival scenario. They don't eat a lot anyway. Fasting's a huge deal, and feasting's a huge deal. Both are huge deals, because there's not a lot of food to go around. And they need it. So he's basically saying, do you fast at a wedding? We're at a wedding, bro. This isn't a time to fast. I'm here. I'm here. Shouldn't you be celebrating? Why do you have this idea of fasting? doesn't make sense. There might be a time where fasting needs to happen, but it's not now. It's not now. And we're like this too. We're like this too. Every year, every year, especially us, but people generally. One big thing that people often want to do in the new year is to try and be more religious or spiritual, right? I want to, I want to do this thing that gets me closer to whatever. I don't know, the universe. I don't know. Whatever it might be. Everybody does this. But you know what's interesting? They, they do it for a time. They do it for a time. And it always runs out, and then they kind of just go back to, again, like themselves, which we all do. We all do. It's universal. And then we want to like have these practices that we do to get us back to God or whatever. And again, sometimes we go, next year. Next year I'll be this. Bible reading program? <laughs> Every year, everybody's like, I'm on it, man. Genesis. Ooh, yeah. It's a little rough here, but yeah, Genesis. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, Exodus, all right, there's a little here that I'm not super, like the back half is like a little rough, but like, man, all that stuff about Pharaoh, water, like rad. Then you get to live in it because you're like, oh, man, is this like doing my taxes? <laughs> this is rough. It's taxi, I guess it's a reminder. So we, we go through the scriptures and we're like, mm, I'll do it next year. We do that. We often worship poorly. We often worship poorly. And, I, and I'll say this, we do not, as people, worship well. Generally, we don't. Uh, hope will come. Just keep that in mind. All right, here we go. Next one, next one. The clothing. Okay, he says this in verse 21. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the, new, or making the tear worse. And that makes sense, right? Uh, my mom used to, oh, 
I'm, I'm so thankful. There was a time before like the internet and like Facebook and stuff because my mom sometimes made clothes for me. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> when she didn't make my clothes and like it was cool to have holes in your jeans, you're like, what's up, man? Like I got holes in my jeans. And she's like, I'll fix those. I'm like, no, mom, no, please don't. <laughs> those are intentional. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, right? We, we, there's holes in clothing and we fix them up. And if you don't like pre-wash both things, obviously your pants have been washed hopefully uh, for a while, but like if you don't pre, you know, wash the, the patch and everything and put it on, it's going to shrink on your clothing and just make it worse. And that's the case back in the day. Think again, they're, they're like a subsistence culture. They have to survive and they don't have a lot of stuff for clothes. If you look at the process of cloth making back in the day, it is a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot now, but it was a lot back then. No machinery. So if you had a piece of clothing, you had to make that thing last, last. Um, so there's people with like patchy robes all over the place, right? This is, this is how it was. And Jesus says, man, what you're trying to do, you're trying to put a patch over this, like a new bright and shiny patch over this worn out garment. You're trying to, and, and we do this. We do this too. And, th and this is kind of what the New Year's resolutions are known for. What we do is we end up having these promises, they're not promises, but like we, we promise ourselves that we're going to do this one thing. We make these goals, and, we're like, and goals aren't bad, again. Goals, good, good goals. But <clears throat> we, we're trying to fix ourselves. We go, maybe if I just make it last, I could just fix this one part of who I am. Uh, maybe if I, if I take this, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best here. Maybe if I can just fix this one little part of me and everybody will look, they'll look at me so much better now. And Jesus is saying to them, he's like, guys, <laughs> you're trying to fix something. You're trying to fix something that you cannot fix. Fasting. Go for it, but Why? Why? Um, one more. Sorry, hopeless. Oh, hope is coming. Hope is coming. <laughs> one more. One more. One more. Um, here's, here's the last parable. It's the parable of the wineskin. He says this. He says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No. They pour new wine into new wineskins. Okay, <laughs> it's kind of, what's going on? Um, look, we're in Wisconsin. Let's be real. We're in Wisconsin. This is like, drink culture. Drink culture is crazy here. Um, <laughs> we're, if you look on a map of like drunkest states in America, and like it's like blue, we're like blue, blue. Everybody's like, ah, oh, maybe like this area. We're blue, all of it. So like drink culture is real here. Some of us might be familiar with the brewing process, but if you're not... I'll fill you in because it's, you know, he talks about it in scripture. So what you do in the brewing process is you have whatever substance you want to make alcoholic, and uh, don't try this at home or, yeah, uh, you have whatever you want to make alcoholic, and you add yeast to it, and what happens is you and, and sugars, and what happens is they take the either the natural sugars in the thing or you you boost them with with extra sugar or whatever, and the little yeasts make this process called fermentation, and they have to let gas off. Okay, that's how it works. And nowadays what we have, like if we have a glass container that we're brewing in or whatever, 
Uh, they have off-gassing mechanisms. You still don't like fill it all the way up because it can burst. You'll have glass and whatever everywhere. Back in the day, I mean, and you could use all sorts of vessels to do this in, but you want them clean and all this stuff. One of the things they used to do is if they were in a potter, they had goats. They just, if a goat died, you take the skin, kind of gross, but you, you take the skin. They used everything, right? Uh, you line it with, you sew it up, you line the inside with like pitch or whatever uh, as a waterproofing agent. You put a little wine in, jostle it around for a little bit or whatever, or keep it. You dump all that out because it's not good to drink. And then you put new wine in it. And it's a nice new skin. You put new wine in, and then it can expand. Cool. But that was a lot. But what if you're poor, right? And you're like, I got one of more goats. <laughs> I want wine. What happens if you put that wine in an old wineskin? Well, it already expanded once. You can only do that so many times, it'll burst. It'll burst. So it makes sense, right? It makes sense. That process makes sense. But, the, but what's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying, we're old wineskins. We're old wineskins. If somebody called me that on the street, I'd be a little offended, right? <laughs> you old wineskins. Like, oh, why do call me that? And he's called him that. He's called him that. We're not good worshipers. We, we cannot worship well. We can't fix ourselves. And now he's saying, you cannot, cannot have a relationship with God the way you are. Because, yeah, you're the, you're the old wineskin. He's the wine. Oof. He's the wine? And we're old wineskins? Uh-oh. How do I get the new wineskin card? Like, <laughs> how do I get that? Man, it's rough, dude. And, and I know all this is really sad. All this is really sad. It's like, what he's saying is almost like, I like naval stuff, like old Napoleon. I know it's weird. I like old Napoleonic War, like naval stuff. It's like this ship just took broadside shot after broadside shot from cannon blast. And it's like broken in half. It's like breaking. And then all of a sudden, everybody on deck has only enough supplies to patch the boat. And they're just trying their best, taking on water. And that's our lives, guys. That, that's what he's saying. It's like, we're just trying to fix, trying to fix, and we're taking on water. What's going to happen? We don't have enough stuff to fix ourselves. We're going down. That, that's the bad part. <laughs> that's the bad part. I, I want to do that because I want us to understand what it's like from Jesus' original audience's point of view. Did that feel good to hear? Did that feel good to hear? And, and that's, that's what he's trying to get them at. That's the position he's trying to get them at. They try and trap him, and he goes, how about this? And they probably walk away really mad at him because they don't get it. And we're like that too. Sometimes Jesus says stuff, and we're like, Psh, that can't be me. That can't be me. Uh -uh. But, but here's the good news. I promised you hope so you don't yell at me. Uh, here's the good news. The good news is something else happened after this parable took place, after these parables took place. See, this is before Jesus is crucified, buried, resurrected, 
and then ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Chronologically, this happens before all that. This happens before the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and fills believers permanently, putting God inside people, that new wine going inside these people. That's theology. That's what happens. The moment you believe Jesus is who he said he is, and you believe he did the work he said he, he did, something changes in you. And the, and the problem is we walk around, and it's not this experiential thing. You know, I could try and go lose weight, um, hopefully this year, uh, <laughs> go lose weight, and I could see results, right? I, if I work really hard, I can see results. Where do I see my results upon this, this change that God does in me, that Jesus does in me? And so we, we kind of forget that it happens, and we continue on a merry way, just like the old wineskins we once were. But we're not. That's not what we are anymore. If you're a Christian in this room, you cannot say you're an old wineskin. Check this out. Um, I don't have it up on the board, but I'll, I'll show you what I mean. Uh, this is from 2 Corinthians 5, 16-22. If you want to open... I'm reading from the message, it's kind of a wonky translation, but I'm doing that because I want you to see what's happening in plain language, plain language. Check this out. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Just listen for a second here. He says this, he says, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and we see it is that anyone united with Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task, us, the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now, becoming friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be right with God. Amen. But did you catch that? We're new creations. We're new creations. I had a professor once who put it this way. He said, uh, you know, oftentimes in our Christian life, we think like we were a pine tree. And this is a weird analogy, but we were a pine tree. And now we're like an oak tree. Right? We were just uh, pine needles. And now we have leaves, I guess. Right? We think of it that way. It's a mundane change. He's like, uh-uh. Don't think of it that way. I, I can't put it into words, but think of it more like you were a pine tree, and now 
you're a cheetah. <laughs> you're not like, son, give me food. You're like hunting it down with speed, and it doesn't even see it coming. Like, we're not even like the, a different genus or species. We're like phylum class order, whatever. We're totally different, but we don't feel that way. And we often have to do something. We have to look at us the way that Jesus looks at us, the way that God looks at us. And I know that's hard to do. I, I'm, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm there too. I, I get burnt out. I get frustrated. I make goals. I want to change. I want to do all this stuff. I don't see often what Jesus has already done for me. If you read in the Pauline epistles, just about the little things, and they're not little, but like he mentions them briefly, if you stack those up, do you feel like a new creation? I don't. Check this one. This is a weird one. What's amazing, and it's theology. Paul says, you are seated at the right hand of God the Father. Do you feel that way? Because when God looks at you, he sees his son. Where's his son? See that at the right hand of God the Father. When he looks at you, he sees his son. Do you feel that way? I mean, here, it's, it's, not, it's not all the bad, dude. It's not all the bad. It's not all this, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm hopeless. That used to be who we were. It's not anymore. And, and what I'm trying to say is this. Have some hope. Have some hope in what Jesus did for you. Not hope in what you can do for yourself. Have hope in what Jesus did for you. On top of that, you can make whatever goal you want. But, but please don't try to be, don't try to be something newer this year. New year, new me. I'll, I'll say it this way. I'll say it better. We make New Year's resolutions. Okay? Normally like a list of goals. This time, have a New Year's resolution, how you see, like a camera, right? Like a camera's resolution. Uh, there's a movie back in the 80s that was made called, uh, called They Live, okay? Are you familiar? It's a cheesy, yeah, it's a, it's a cheesy action movie with a dude, it's totally 80s. It's like the guy has a mullet, uh, he's got like a jean vest or whatever, and he's just like yoked. And then what happens is, you have these aliens that take over the world or whatever, and they're infiltrating people, but they look just like people, and you can't tell one from another, right? And so what he does is he finds these glasses. He's like, I'm here to kick butt and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's super cheesy. But with those glasses, with those glasses, he can see who's an alien. We don't have a pair of glasses like that. We don't have a pair of glasses like that. You know what we have? Of God's word. Thank God. If, if we didn't have God's word, how would you know? How would you know all the crazy, amazing things that God did for you in Christ? This year, when you're going through the, the slog of reading your Bibles, have that in mind. Have that in mind. This is helping me see how we were and how we are. I'm curious about that. I want to find out more. Um, as we do that, I just encourage you this year. Have a New Year's perspective, a New Year's resolution this year. Try and see things different if you can. And if you need reminding, just go to God's Word. Look at what Paul says is true of you in Christ. Check it out. 
Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.